You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Jaybird Watching here. We are on the souped-up, juiced-up ball version of our uh, steroids abuse, or whatever you want to call it here in mid-baseball season. But it is what it is. Brendan Panikar joining me here as usual, and we have a wonderful guest in Jason Lee, but we'll introduce him officially here in one minute. Got to say hi to my co-host. Brendan, how you doing, my friend? Good, dude. Looking forward to our uh, Bison's road trip next week when... Uh... Everybody can come on and see us down in Buffalo. So if you're heading to the game, give us a shout. We'll meet up for a uh, a beer on what they call La Batter Days. Yeah, on the La Batter Days, three dollar American beers in the right field outfield. Uh, kind of like um, it's kind of like a bleacher creature situation with bar stu- bar stool tables instead. It's pretty nifty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, even if it's three bucks US for a tall boy because it's sixteen ounces. And that's like what four fifty five bucks Canadian. That's a steal for being at a sports game. So hey, I'm down for that. Yeah, well, that's because Brennan, you are used to those twelve fifty thirteen dollar beers that you've been giving everybody on the flight deck when they actually can tag a review on our show. <laughs> I know it's uh, luckily that stopped, and I don't. I hope to not have to bring that offer back. But how broke uh, are you? <laughs> maybe, yeah. Pretty broke. <laughs> My pool to buy people drinks is dry. <laughs> so, um, anyway, as I had mentioned a minute ago, Brendan, we have a good friend with us here tonight. Jason Lee is here to bestow his wisdoms and trade alumni, or um, you know, kind of sewer around with us. So, Jason, how are you doing today, my friend? Good, good. Glad to be back. Thank you for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure, man. We're glad to have you here on the show. So. Fellas, I don't think we can avoid the major topic in Toronto Blue Jays news, and I'm assuming this is where the you know major amount of this conversation in today's show is going to go. But the Vlad momentum, I think we just saw kick off in full stream on Monday evening in Ohio in Cleveland. So, uh, Jason, you're our guest. You watched it. How excited are you for the second half of Vladdy baseball? Oh, I was always excited as soon as he got called up. And um, his his performance at the Derby was incredible, not just for Jays fans, but for baseball fans and for non-baseball fans. I actually watched it with my sister, and she is not a baseball fan. But every time Vladdy was in the box, she would have her eyes glued on the TV asking me questions. And it was really great to see, obviously, the effect it had. And I'm sure it had the same effect on other people, so marketing-wise. It was amazing for the MLB, and like you said, Craig, I'm absolutely excited to see Vladdy 
I have him on my fantasy team. I hope he performs better than he did in the first half. But the signs are good, obviously. He's taking more walks. He's swinging at uh, less pitches. And his hard hit's still there as well. So I think if he can lift the ball a bit more, the success is going to be there. Yeah, yeah, it's so... Pure Vlad so, is coming. It, <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it was exciting to watch that on uh, on Monday. And you know what? I figured he would tire a little bit towards the end just because uh, how violent his swing was. Those extra rounds with uh, Jock Peterson didn't help. But, man, that was uh, a spectacle. And uh, pardon the... Uh, the pun or whatever, but uh, I think baseball hit a home run with this uh, home run derby from a marketing standpoint and just being able to showcase some of the young stars. And I think you've seen a template for the home run derby where everybody was complaining or most people were complaining that Vlad was in it. They were like, hey, what? he only has eight home runs. Look at everybody else. There's so many other people with 20-plus already that aren't in it. Why is this kid with eight home runs in it? Well, those are the people that don't know. He's the only guy in the major leagues with four plus batted balls of 115 miles per hour or harder. So it's a competition made for him anyway. For that one, exactly, (laughs) exactly. It's a competition made for him, but uh, no, it was a fun time. And I actually think, just like Jason, you were saying, watching with your sister, I wouldn't be surprised if other people who had that on, kind of in the background, uh, ended up being glued to their TV, and maybe baseball made a few new fans on Monday night. For so, sure. But, um, fellas, how I, all Major League Baseball fans found out quickly, obviously, what Vladdy can show, but did anybody else find out how much he has to offer quicker than Matt Chapman? <laughs> Matt Chapman had to have been sitting <laughs> Matt- watching Vladdy in that first round. Is, well, I, I'll say it bluntly, shitting kittens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Matt Chapman himself is an incredible player, though, um, for the A's. He kind of reminds me of Josh Johnson when he was with the A's. Lots of power, great defense. Um, yeah, he's an incredible player, but obviously Vladdy just outperformed him in a big way, setting a record, so he can't really beat that. Yeah, I was saying with people I was watching on, uh, on um, Monday night that, uh, yeah, Matt Chapman, he's a really good player, but it's only uh, inevitable until he becomes a Blue Jay because Oakland seems to like trading third baseman in their prime to, uh, to the Jays, so... <laughs> Future, te- future teammates going at it. Uh, hopefully, so. that'd be amazing. Way too much fun. <laughs> you think that's a dugout rivalry in the making? You know, <laughs> hey, remember that time I whomped you? <laughs> yeah. It didn't help that his dad wasn't throwing anything to hit. Like they were saying on the radio today, if you're somebody going into the home run derby, pick a, a coach or something who actually knows how to throw BP. It's a nice thing to have your dad out there. But, man, Chapman didn't get much to hit. If he did, I think it would have been a lot closer. Probably wouldn't have beaten him because 29 was an insane number, but it would have been a little more competitive. So, thanks, Brendan. Segway. How much fun do you think the tandem of John Schneider and Vladdy Guerrero had doing this? That Apparently, they were talking about this in the uh, broadcast. That Apparently, the joke was swinging around while they were playing in New Hampshire. This would be really fun to do with the two of them if they ever got to that point. And how fitting that they're both Blue Jays. Jason, go ahead. Yeah, it was. it's amazing to see that the relationship they had in AA got carried over to the major leagues. I actually thought when, before Charlie Montoya got hired when the Blue Jays were searching for a manager, I thought John Schneider would have been an excellent choice. You know, obviously the familiarity with the younger players, the experience, I thought he would have been a great candidate. 
But I was, yeah, I was really happy to see him, that the Jays had a role for him in the major leagues. And when I heard that he was pitching to Vlad, you know, I knew that something special was going to happen, and it did. And, you know, you could just see the chemistry oozing with them. And they even, they said that they practiced a lot before, and you could see that as well. So, yeah, it was just great to see them together. You know what, Jason? I think it's actually kind of funny that you say that John Schneider was a managerial candidate because more and more as the season goes along, and this is not a knock on Charlie Montoyo, I brought this up last week with Craig, or maybe it was two weeks ago, but anyways, this isn't a knock on Montoyo at all, but it would not surprise me if once this team is ready to compete or in a season where they are competing heading into the season, that John Schneider ends up being a manager within the next two to three years. Montoyo's kind of the guy that's going to nurture the young kids in the clubhouse, and then once they're ready to take over, they've already won with John Schneider down in double A. It would not shock me at all if that actually comes true, but that's kind of a different discussion for a completely different day, and it's just a complete prediction uh, and something I've thought about in the past. But, no, it's fun. These kids have won together with John Schneider, and we're only going to see it when uh, some of the younger guys down in Buffalo who won on that New Hampshire team keep on coming up. It's uh, it's great to see them build that chemistry, and uh, I think John Schneider absolutely loved and soaked up every single moment of being there on Monday. I'm very happy for him. Speaking of being very happy for him, I think in the midst of watching this whole thing, Blue Jays fans couldn't be happier with watching, and obviously Major League Baseball got the benefit of this, especially. We saw what I'm going to say is the coming out party for Vlad Jr., because I have a strange feeling that this is going to be one of those things that his confidence is now oozing after that showing. You know, fellas, and I just think he's going to run into the second half like a freaking steamroller, and it's going to be fun to watch. Blue Jays fans, Brendan, I'm going to let you kick this one off, though. How much do does the excitement and the showing that he has, throwing his arms up in the air and everything, just get all the, even the casual fans that might have been overlooking Blue Jays baseball so far this season, get them jacked up and ready for a second half of possibilities? Oh, it's great. And you know what? I know everybody was saying that the home run derby could affect Vlad Jr. Uh, after or once the season gets going again. I actually think it's going to have the complete opposite effect. We've seen Vlad throughout the course of the year, uh, especially in the last month or so, hit hard balls, but on the ground. So I'm hopefully that all the balls that he was able to launch into the air, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's how I get the launch angle on the baseball. Not that he forgot or anything, but that was just kind of a trend over the last month. He's hit a lot of balls in the ground, still very hard, but I do think that this is the start of uh, his coming out party uh, for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And you know what? It's good to have some personality. This cl- uh, this team, when they were good in 2015 and 2016, they had personalities all around the diamond. Josh Donaldson, Jose Bautista, even Edwin would get into it a little bit when he hit a big-time home run or anything like that. So you combine that with some of the younger guys in the dugout already and people in Buffalo that will be coming up relatively soon. Uh, it's going to be a fun club uh, uh, to play or to be a fan of but it's also going to be a club that uh, rubs a lot of people the wrong way uh, once they get good and get all crazy and hyped up and everything, kind of like the 2015 and 2016 team. Oh, the stir the pot. I always loved it when Deano Navarro would do that after he had some decent hit in 2015 <laughs> that he'd just sit there, you'd see him at second base, hold the little cup up, stir it up, and then <laughs> chug it. <laughs> but that's why we're getting back to that. A little bit of swagger, <laughs> fellas, that Blue Jays baseball hasn't seen so far this season. As they are evolving, it's a rebuilding. Yes, yes, we can keep going into that. But, Jason, is this the beginning of that face? We knew Vlad would eventually be the face. Is this the beginning of this 
you know, the swagger that we might be a good team starting officially as of like oh, this whole deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Bo is Bo Bichette is tearing it up in triple A. Nate Pearson had an amazing showing at the Futures game. Obviously then you have Jordan Groshans and Eric Pardino just a few years down, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, if you just look at this farm system, it's so exciting to see and the low key underrated part of this farm system is the catcher position and I think this is something we have to talk about. I mean, if there could be a log jam, obviously you have Danny Jansen who's starting to find his stride. But then down down in um, Lansing, I think, Gabriel Marino, he's having an incredible year. Alejandro Kirk's having an incredible year. So we just have to, and Riley Adams is also having an incredible year. So, I mean, there's a lot to talk about in terms of who is our catcher of the future? Is Danny Can Danny Jansen hold on? Or are these young guys going to come up and steal the show from him? So, I mean... There's so much potential in this team, and if you're a Jays fan, you just have to be excited for the future. Yeah, it's almost funny because you could be looking four or five years down the road here, and you could see the Blue Jays catching prospects scatter across six teams, and those could be your six playoff teams. You guys saw what it did with us when we finally anchored out our catcher spot. It is a very highly sought-after position for any kind of super production. We're starting to see that. Brendan Panikar out of Danny Jansen and what do you think of what we've been seeing out of Danny Jansen so far? Oh, it's great. I mean, he's hit the ball hard the entire year, but I mean, we've covered this at length. He's just been so unlucky. All his stat cast numbers and, and all the underlying stats have been really, really friendly to him, but also shown that he's been extremely unlucky. So some of those are finally starting to drop for base hits, leave the ballpark. It's incredibly encouraging to see his power come back where it was looking like last year down in AAA, but also once he got to the big leagues. it's. But I think the thing that we all agree on uh, from previous conversations, whether Jason, you were part of the last one that you, we, when we were on, we probably touched on Danny Jansen, but I still think the thing that's been most impressive this year is his defense, because that was the one major knock against him at the end of last season. Wasn't a great pitch receiver, couldn't frame the ball overly well. We all know he had a cannon behind the plate, but when you start being able to help your starting pitchers and your relievers steal strikes, uh, get some more strikeouts, and honestly, I think he's called some pretty damn good games this year for some starters. So all around, it looks like it's coming together for him, but I completely agree with what Jason said. You're seeing the next waves of Blue Jays prospects come up and get ready to go uh, to higher levels, whether it's the majors or AAA or AA. He will have to hold on. There's a lot of talented catching depth in this system, and uh, Danny Jansen is going to have to be able to hold on to that. I think he will, but uh, it, it's great to see. I think he's really becoming a good all-around catcher. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I saw earlier today while I was slipping through my Twitter feed is the fact that Danny Jansen is actually in the top five in a lot of the defensive metrics for a catcher. I thought that was very, very impressive. You're talking putting him in – company with you know the great guys in this season you know and it's not just the lingering guys like Yanni Molina that are still very productive that's a heck of a you know statement to be saying behind the plate for Toronto Blue Jays baseball that has been honestly guys have we had a homemade homegrown catcher that's ran away with a job ever because <laughs> <laughs> I'm no. the only guy I'm thinking is Pat Boers <laughs> and we traded for him so it's just yeah, how it home is. Drum, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even Buck Martinez we traded yeah. for, guys. Just saying. He still won't leave, but he <laughs> Yeah, but... can he please leave now? <laughs> <laughs> Can't discredit him too much, Brendan. That's why we started this show is we got sick of hearing him during the broadcast. 
That's right. <laughs> so, but just to put a bow on the um, the Vladdy home run derby thing, guys, were you disheartened at all that he didn't walk out of that with a victory after 91 home runs? Uh, Jason Lee, I'll let you field this one first. Oh, absolutely. I was disappointed. Obviously, um, Pete Alonso did a great job as well, but um, we I tweeted, uh, tweeted a tweet, um, you know, Pete Alonso may have won the home run derby, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. won the hearts of baseball fans. And, you know, it would have been amazing to see him lift the trophy, to see him celebrate. But um, I'm sure it's not going to be his last home run derby, and um, I just can't wait to see him in the next ones. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I uh, am completely in agreement there. Even though Alonso won, people are still talking about the show that Jock Peterson and Vlad Jr. had up against each other. But just how impressed they were with Vlad. Even on a podcast I was listening to today at work uh, called Stick to Football, uh, they were talking about Vlad Jr. on an NFL podcast. Uh, so he started to extend into other sporting leagues in terms of the conversation surrounding him. So even though Pete Alonso won the hardware, Vlad Jr. was the star of the show, as was Jock Peterson. I actually think Jock Peterson was more impressive than Pete Alonso. That one would have been a very, very, very interesting final round, fellas, if that was the final. The, the way that the bracket works with the, the being the head-to-head deal, that's the unfortunate catch. You know, you got somebody like P. Alonzo that did exactly what he needed to do. And I still think it's hilarious that they broke every stinking record that the home run derbies had in this new format. And the guy that won it even with 56 home runs, I believe, Pete Alonzo had – still was over last year's victor of 49 home runs throughout the whole home run derby. Meanwhile, (laughs) you have Vlad Guerrero Jr. completely annihilating and lighting the record book on fire, basically. But it it was fun to watch, guys. How much this is just exactly the kind of thing that Toronto Blue Jays baseball needs in a season where we've been. I I can't even say struggling to figure it out. We haven't even figured anything out yet, other than the fact that maybe we have some guys running away with some positions finally. But it's taken a whole half of a year to get to this point. And watching Vladdy Jr. do what he did the other night is just shows that this team is doing something that it should be doing, even if it is for a fun on a home run derby, guys. It's this this is just what it is, right? So, so we do have another All Star to talk about, though. Marcus Stroman was on this team and tipped his hat. <laughs> Jason Lee, is that the last? Uh, well, and is, is this that might be the last we see of Marcus Stroman for you know after a couple starts here? But this is it's starting to sound like starting pitching is heating up on the trade market rather sooner rather than later with Noah Syndergaard and everybody coming possibly on the free agent wire. And honestly, the better buy out of a lot of those guys might be Marcus Stroman. What are your two cents, Jason? Yeah, I agree. I think that Marcus Stroman is definitely one of the top trade chips in this year's deadline. Um, I do think he's gone. I do think um, there aren't many days where we'll get to see him pitch. And um, that's just because that's the nature of a rebuild, right? It's hard to trade your guys. It's hard to trade a guy who's pitched so well for you, who's come up big. But um, the package that they could get, the calls that they're the, the teams that are calling their farm systems, it's um, it's definitely could be enough to convince Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro. But the thing is, um, the thing I want to talk about is I think it is less likely that Marcus Stroman gets traded than Ken Giles, and the reason is there's so much volatility in relievers, and I think the front office knows that. So I think that 
they want to sell a Ken Giles high. But with Marcus Stroman, you know, obviously they could just play the play a bluff and say, well, he has another year of control. We could keep him and re-sign him, or we could just trade him in the winter or even next year's deadline. And with starting pitchers, they're more they're less volatile than relievers. So I could see I could see a small chance that Marcus Stroman stays as Blue Jay. Yeah, and actually, kind of to build on your point there, Jason, in reg- in regards to Ken Giles. Somebody put out a tweet yesterday on how volatile closers are, and I have two guys I'm going to read to you. I'm sure that you guys saw this tweet, but at uh, Blue Jays always uh, tweeted, last year in 2018, Blake Trinan had an ERA of 0.78, and now in 2019, it's 4.17. And then Edwin Diaz, a season ago, 1.96, and his ERA is over 5, at uh, 5.50. So, yeah, Ken Giles probably should be dealt uh, in a heartbeat, um, and it would not surprise me if that is sooner rather than later just to try to get a jump on the reliever market. I still think Giles is the top arm available for relievers on the market, but there are other guys who are going to be moved for bullpen help to other teams contending in the postseason. But guys, honestly, tying it back to Stroman, they they release the order of the rotation and Stroman starts Sunday at the Yankees. That would not surprise me if that's his last start, whether it's him getting traded to the Yankees uh, to it's kind of showcase him on, on Sunday. Right? Yeah, exactly. At Yankee Stadium, too, against Tanaka. Um, it, it, maybe one turn, maybe he gets a second start, but I don't think it's much more than two turns through the rotation until Stroman's gone, if he is traded, which I think he will be. Yeah. One, one person I don't think we're going to be getting rid of is Aaron Sanchez, fellas. I was reading earlier that um, I think it was Kaylee McGrath of the Athletic was saying that he's going to hit 20 losses this season. He's at 12 right now, guys. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, uh, I he got a like. I forget who brought it up on the radio the other day, but I think this is the perfect way to uh, justify Aaron Sanchez continuing to go out there in the rotation. There's been enough starts to go around for guys like Edwin Jackson and Ryan Fearbend that, come on, you still have to throw Aaron Sanchez out there if Edwin Jackson was getting four or five turns and Ryan Fearbend made a start for the Toronto Blue Jays. So, honestly, this is the season where you got to hope that he can figure it out. I mean, he's gone through a lineup once and looked pretty good. It's the second and third time through. That's if he even makes it through the full second time that is, the wheels have started to come off. So... I mean, the talent's still there. We've all seen it. It seems like he's over his injury problems. And lately, especially, it doesn't seem like the finger's been bothering him. But I don't know. He looks broken out there. But uh, hopefully, as the season goes along, he can turn it around and be fixed. Come in next year and continue, hopefully, pitching well. And you can trade him next deadline. So he's definitely going to not be moved. And just try to fix him and see what you can get from Aaron Sanchez. Jason? Yeah, I completely completely agree with Brendan. I don't think the bullpen is the best option at this point. Firstly, because moving a starter to the bullpen in the middle of a season is very risky, especially like Sanchez, who's had some injury troubles in the past. And I think that, you know, there's no real downside to to leaving Aaron Sanchez in the rotation. I guess the downside would be obviously he continues to struggle and his value diminishes even more. Well, the thing is, his value is already so low that it can't. It does. There's no place down to go. So you hope that he figures it out, and in the off season, maybe you look to trade him, or if it keep if it doesn't work out in the end, 
you put him in the bullpen at the start of the season where he can adapt, and then you can just trade him at the deadline. So, fellas, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make your prediction on Marcus Stroman's possible landing spot while we wrap that part, and then we'll get into some of the other fun here with trades. Uh, Jason, if you are trading for Marcus Stroman right now, who you, where do you think he's ended up going? Uh, I'm going to call the Twins because uh, there was recently an article on MLB Trade Rumors that the Braves haven't discussed the Stroman trade with the Jays, and I thought that the Braves originally would be the destination, obviously, with the Anthopolis connection and the familiarity. But um, I really like the Twins. They've inquired a lot. They need starting pitching, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Toronto Blue Jays package both Stroman and Giles to the Twins for some good pieces. It does carry some that would weight. Be, yeah, it definitely does. That would be a heck of a package, too, where they have to hit on it. I'm going to go the Padres. I don't think they're going to pay the price to get Noah Syndergaard. And uh, the score, just before we hopped on, tweeted that they've looked into Matt Boyd. And even though Matt Boyd's having a hell of a season for the Tigers, you got to figure that some of that he's benefiting from pitching in a massive Comerica Park and other big American League Central uh, uh, ballparks. But I don't go to the Padres. I don't think they'll pay the price for Noah Syndergaard. And they've just seemed to me a match for so long. I mean, it's been reported that they discussed uh, Strowman in the off season, and they just have so many prospects, especially pitching prospects that this team could really use. I got roasted by Padres Twitter for suggesting uh, Mackenzie Gore, which I don't think is that crazy if you were to package Giles and Strowman together. But it is a big ask, but you have to go that big. But they still got other guys like Michael Baez, Ryan Weathers, Logan Allen, and Luis Patino that I'd be happy with as well. So I'm going to go the Padres. Very, very good landing spots. And I guess I'm not going to ask my second question. You guys both packaged Marcus Stroman with Ken Giles. (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, me sitting on the other side of the fence, I think the Red Sox are screaming for relief pitching, and they're not going to be able to get those big high-end targets like they're wanting to, and they're going to have to settle for somebody like Ken Giles, which in my opinion is a heck of a settle. But the Red Sox, I think, could give us something that we put, might be in the ballpark of Major League ready, and I think that's where the trade needs to be for either of those guys. And I think you guys would agree with me. All those arms you would both alluded to there are dancing on that cusp of making their next big move. And that big move should just be in Toronto in the 2020, late 2020 rotation. For the thing sure. with Boston is that their farm system is not great at all. I mean, we'd have to target someone from their MLB roster. I, know, I don't know if Boston is willing to do that. And obviously with um, the interdivision trade, you, there's obviously a premium on Giles. So yep. if we're going to get someone, then I hope it's someone good. But I don't – from the I control placing it. Boston, so. I just have a feeling something's going to happen there. I, I don't know who for or what, but it's not going to be for freaking Clint Frazier that can't catch a right ball in right field anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if, if, Giles, if Giles is in package with Stroman – then uh, I actually agree with Jason's landing spot. Jason and I packed them together, but if Giles goes on himself by himself, which probably will happen, I actually have the twins for Ken Giles, and you target a guy like Alex Kirilov or Brett Rooker exactly. or Jordan Belazovic, the Canadian that's in the twin system. So, yeah, the twins seem like a natural landing spot for one of them. I wouldn't be surprised if Stroman ends up there and not Giles or Giles ends up there and Stroman doesn't. It's going to be one of them, and I guarantee it to be Minnesota. Yeah, so... 
Am I penciling in that either either of you guys think that's basically a 100% certainty that both those guys do not come back to Toronto in the next few weeks? Yes. Maybe a 10% chance that they and, come back. And who? As Stroman comes back. Stroman comes back. Stroman. Ken Giles, unfortunately, gone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, I agree with you guys. And uh, the only thing I'm always wondering about is when you have all these young pitchers coming through this minor league system, it is very nice to have somebody like Ken Giles to anchor out a bullpen. And if we do lose Ken Giles, guys, I know we've been talking about some of the youngsters possibly filling in in the rotation over the past few weeks, Brendan, with the Yesney Diaz, Patrick Murphys of the world that are on the 40-man roster already that are probably destined to slide in come late August, early September. And But who's filling that bullpen spot for at least the rest of this year? And I, are you targeting a closer, Brendan, in the uh, offseason to help anchor that bullpen going forward? Uh, I'm going to say Jordan Romano is the closer if Ken Giles is traded. He just looks so good out of the bullpen. His stuff plays so well for one inning. And you know what? Actually, funny, it was kind of brought up uh, my idea to talk probably at the end of the episode as if uh, those predictions that we have, maybe three to four different predictions that we can each list. I believe it was uh, Rob Wong of Sportsnet uh, 590 predicted that Jordan Romano would get 10-plus saves in the second half of the season or whenever Ken Giles got traded. So I'm going Jordan Romano. I think uh, he will be the closer uh, if Ken Giles is moved. Ballsy. I like it. Jason, what do you think? <laughs> um, next year, honestly, I don't. I, I agree with Brendan. I think going um, within the organization is the way to go because, like you said, Craig, at the Edwin Diaz's, the Blake Trainins, even Andrew Miller, those guys that are supposed to be for sure things are not for sure things. Closers are so volatile. I don't think you can afford to spend to commit that amount of money and that amount of years to a to a closer and I think that going from at least a two to two to three year basis is a smart move and I think right now Jordan Romano might be the best option for the next couple of years. I love how you guys all went completely automatically over the Derek Laws, the Daniel Hudsons <laughs> and whatnot <laughs> that are in our lineup because I, I was I was curious. I was throwing that out one hoping for a fire of some sorts. <laughs> and uh, I just well, I think Daniel I agree with you. Those guys are guys that are like you were just going toward there, Jason. Are probably going to be traded, or they're just going to be around for the rest of the season. So why don't you take a risk with somebody like you guys are talking about in Jordan Romano? Um, another guy that I have been very impressed with. All of a sudden, I thought he'd had some potential over the last few years, but he's starting to strike me as more of a he might be going toward the Ryan Tapera mold that he just didn't have that last bit to linger and uh, get out of Buffalo, and that is in Justin Schaefer. You guys seeing what I'm seeing, or is it just something that I just happen to might be striking myself as more than a flash in the pan? I like Justin Schaefer. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's um, closing material yet, but I do like his stuff. I like um, his fastball slider combo is very nice. I think as of right now, I would like to see him pitch in more multiple inning scenarios get him used to the major leagues, and then maybe try and convert him gradually into a high innings reliever. Yeah, I uh, I need to see more of him at the big league level. Um, I think he is a potential arm, but uh, I, I do strongly believe that Giles, Daniel Hudson, and probably Joe Biagini will all be traded at the deadline. Maybe not Biagini, but Daniel Hudson for sure, and maybe even packaged with Ken Giles. 
So you're going to have to get some runs up here, Justin Schaefer, over the course of the second half of the season, or at least after the deadline, uh, has a chance to uh, solidify a roster spot for uh, for 2020 in the bullpen, and hopefully it can be high leverage because if you get rid of Giles, you get rid of uh, you get rid of Daniel Hudson and a few other arms potentially. You're going to need some high leverage relievers for next year. Yeah, it's going to be very I interesting. Think to watch to out for is go ahead. So, the, and the thing to watch out for is. The Blue Jays, when they make trades, they actually like to find their replacements directly within that trade. Um, even with a couple of years back, Drew Hutchinson, they got Francisco Liriano. Obviously, Roberto Suna last year, they got Ken Giles, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we might see a future closer come back in a Ken Giles deal or in a Marcus Stroman deal. So that's also a possibility. Very, very good idea. And I'm, I'm honestly surprised that you guys um, think Biagini's going anywhere. He had a really good start to the season when you, you know, told him what candy bar to buy, Brendan. But since then, he's been kind of rough. <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe it's my fault that candy bar's finally starting to settle in. Uh, <laughs> Catch up a little bit now. <laughs> so, all right, fellas. So leading to some of the maybe possible closer volatile stuff that Jason has been talking about here. I'm sure you guys have seen it because it's been all over Major League Baseball news and Twitter and uh, whatnot, and it was talked about heavily during the Baseball Home Run Derby. Justin Verlander blasting Major League Baseball for tampering the baseballs. Um, Very, very interesting stuff, guys. Do you think it's juiced, or is this just the new norm in Major League Baseball? Jason, I'll let you go first, seeing you're our wonderful guest. Um, I think both of those statements are correct. I do think it's juiced, and I think that's the new norm now because the stats that you're seeing, everything is going, for the hitters, everything is going up in terms of power. And um, Justin Verlander has always been outspoken, and I frankly, I don't doubt him. I, obviously, Justin Verlander is giving up a lot of home runs this year, but I don't think he'd be, he'd be that kind of person but juice balls as an excuse and it hasn't just been Justin Verlander who's talked about the possibility of a juice ball and I think the stats prove it and I think and I do I think pitchers need to adapt and it's a new norm and um, hopefully we'll see the game adapting sooner or later um yeah I'm not I'm not sure where to lean with this one honestly I have a feeling they are and when was it I can't remember when but recently MLB really bought a whole bunch of Rawlings, or maybe they even own Rawlings now. Full-on uh, but some... Yeah. I'm reading the headline exactly, right now but, because uh, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. So, Brennan, good job. Segway. <laughs> $395 bill, million dollars Major League buys from Newell Brands, the company of Rawlings, guys. So that's not just gloves. That yeah. is literally every stinking Major League Baseball out there. And this is business news as uh, where did the date go? <laughs> uh, June yeah, 5th, we, 2018. Oh. So it's been a full year. That is plenty of time, fellas, for Major League Baseball to be dipping into the kitty a little bit here and rubbing their own funk on it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because there definitely seems to have been a change to the baseball since uh, the MLB has bought it and started to basically have their own say on how they're going to be made. But I don't know, because he started seeing some players, especially, as we know, Aaron Sanchez, starting to complain about the way that baseball was made, that it just felt more slippery in 2017 and 2018 when uh, he was dealing with his blistering finger issues. But I don't know, I'm kind of 
in the middle. I think that there's a chance that they're juiced, but at the same time, just with all the new analytics and everybody focusing on launch angle and, and hard contact, I mean, hard contact's always been there, but launch angle uh, and other fun stuff like that, people are just emphasizing getting the ball in the air more. And when you got guys with power, they're going to leave eventually. So um, I, I'm in the middle. I think it's possible, but at the same time, I also agree with Jason where I just think people are going to have to adapt. So I'm gonna have I have a little game, um, fellas, around this. Uh, I'm gonna lead out here for you. It's a believe it or not. <laughs> DJ Lemayhu, first candidate, thirty home runs. Believe it or not, or is this the wonderful fun with the juice baseballs? I think it's juice. It has, definitely has to do with the juice baseballs. He's more of a. He was always. Tell me how you really guy. feel he's about it, Jason. <laughs> He's out of he's out of he's out of course field too, right? So I mean, yes, the AL East has some hitter friendly ballparks, but he's always been a contact guy. I don't think he's ever hit over twenty home runs, even though he played in course field. So it, it's got to be juiced for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. He only has sixty one career home runs through uh, June thirtieth, twenty nineteen. So uh, I agree with you, Jason. So next candidate, believe it or not, Pete Alonso, the reigning home run derby champion. Do you think he hits 40 home runs or plus? Brendan, I'll let you lead this one off. Uh, I'm going to go over because he's already at 30. Um, like he's, he's really, really good, man. Pete Alonso, not just from the home run derby, but he's been the, probably the Mets MVP at this point this season. And we've, we've heard about him and Mets fans have heard about him for years and He's shown a lot of power throughout the course of his minor league career. I mean, he hit 21 in 301 plate appearances a season ago uh, at AAA with 15 in 273 plate appearances at AA when he got promoted. So he looks like a perennial 30 home run kind of guy, and it, if he has 30 already, he probably will get his 40. Jason? Yeah, I also agree. I think over 40 easily. He actually, Fangraphs has his raw power at 80 already, and I think he might be one of the only players that matches Vladdy Guerrero Jr. in terms of raw power. And actually, I want to apologize to Pete Alonso because every year before the season starts, I kind of look at everyone's farm system, and I saw Pete Alonso, and I kind of disregarded him because last year they the Mets had a similar first baseman. I don't know if you guys know Dominic Smith, yep. and he was hyped up real much, and um, he was a disappointment. So I thought Pete Alonso would kind of be of the same mold, but he's blew, he's blown everybody's expectations. So um, good for him, and I think, yeah, I think even 50 is a possibility for him. Yeah, I chose 50, or I mean, I chose 40 on that, believe it or not, thing, just because the Mets are a dumpster fire of a ball team right now. (laughs) (laughs) I would have loved to. Their hitters aren't terrible, though. That's the catch, and I just know they're going to trade people and whatnot, so I picked a number where I thought it might be a nice controversy. <laughs> right. I honestly think he's going to hit 50, and he might even breeze by that. So it's very, very intri- interesting to see what is going on with Pete Alonzo and the Mets. I got a couple more, fellas, and I'm going to go back to Jason kicking this one off. Is Jorge Soler really a 30-home run hitter, believe it or not? Um, this year, yes. In the future, no. I think this year he's obviously having a great season, but if you look at it, he's always, he was a top prospect, and uh, maybe he's figured it out, but I think he has a little too much swing and miss to his game. I think, um, yeah, I don't think, and I like you said, Craig, I don't think the Royals have enough protection around him, for, and I think the pitchers are going to adapt, and I think he'll be around maybe 20 to 25 in the future. 
Renan? I, I, I think I believe it. Um, I think Jorge Soler, as you mentioned, Jason, was one of the Cubs' top prospects for many years down in the minor leagues. And in 404 plate appearances in 2015, he hit 10 uh, on a pretty bad uh, Cubs team back then, or, or one that was finally starting to come into their own. Uh, in 2015 when they finally made the playoffs. But I don't know. He was very highly touted um, as a prospect, uh, and it is possible that he's finally putting it all together. Kind of strikes me as a late bloomer where he just figures it out late. He's already 27 years old. Uh, next year he'll be 28. I could see him being a 30-home run guy probably not every year, but I definitely think that total will be matched up, uh, by him again uh, throughout the course of his career, maybe two or three more times. All right, I got to throw a Blue Jay guy in. And I honestly think you guys are going to probably agree 100% with me with how somebody's been playing lately. <laughs> um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is a possible 30 home run guy. Brendan, believe it or not. Uh, I don't know if he can do 30. I mean, he's been so good, and he already has 16. So it is possible that he gets there. But I, I would say he's more in the ballpark of 20 to 25. Um, but the one thing that is really going for him is compared to last year, when you look at his stat cast numbers, last year he hit uh, the ball uh, hard 45.6% uh, of the time, but his launch angle was down at 10.4. This year he's hitting the ball hard at 46.9%, and he's increased his launch angle to 14.1. And his exit velocity is around the same. He's also barreling the ball more. So it could be real. Uh, I don't want to uh, uh, dismiss that possibility because it would be lovely if that's the bat that Lourdes Gurriel turned into. But I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna remain kind of cautiously optimistic and say he's a 20 to 25 home run guy for the majority of his career. Jason. Yeah, I totally agree with Brendan. I think he's more of a good hitter than a good power hitter. And um, his brother Yuli, who plays for the Astros, famously said that. Um, Lourdes was a better hitter than him. And I think I, we could expect Lourdes to be, I think, first and foremost, his, de his defensive position should just now be left field. I don't think the, the Blue Jays should move him around. And I think hitting-wise, I think he'll be around 280, maybe 300 on a good year with 20 home runs and like an 850 OPS. Hopefully he develops into a consistent middle-of-the-order force. Good deal, fellas. I agree with you, but I'm going to say he's going to hit 30. I just want to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he does. I hope All right, that'd be nice. So let's jump into it, guys. Minor leagues, you know, we have a future possible 2030 home run guy that is looking. I, I'm just going to go further past the I'm on fire, and in fuego is the only word I can use to describe Boba Shut. How quick do you think Freddie Galvis is off this lineup? to make room for Boba Shet. Jason? I do think Freddie Galvis gets traded. Um, it's, it's, it's tough because Freddie Galvis has been so important for this team. Obviously, his defense has been superb. Um, his offense has been pretty good, too, but the veteran presence he provides for the young guys, it, it's priceless. And I honestly, I'm torn because I want to see Freddie Galvis play out the season and just continue to mentor these young guys. But then again, a lot of other teams would like Freddie Galvis for the playoff run and Bo Bichette, like you said, is tearing it up. So if Freddie Galvis gets traded, I think Bichette comes up 
sometime in August or September. But if the Blue Jays choose not to trade Freddie Galvis, I could see the Blue Jays uh, promoting Bichette sometime in April next year to get that extra rate of control. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough to get shut up here unless Galvis is gone so that he can play full-time shortstop or Eric Sogard uh, needs to be gone. It's one of those two. It's crazy how Eric Sogard has played his way into being a trade candidate, maybe tapped on with a Marcus Stroman or something like that just to uh, try to get a little bit more out of the team. But uh, if one of them's gone, I think we'll see him up here. The good thing with Freddie Galvis is he's versatile, so he can play some third, he can play some second base as well, um, especially with the potential hole being vacated by uh, a departure of Eric Sogard. I've long thought they signed Freddie Galvis to a one-plus option year or team option. I've always thought because of that they keep him around, and I think his, as Jason said, the leadership fact that he's a good veteran um that they would have him back next year and he could actually really help Bobichet's defensive game uh when he gets up here full time i think galvis also knew when he signed here that a he wasn't going to play every day that's what charlie montoya told him but also yeah, there's young guys that are knocking on the door big league promotions so if you gotta you gotta play your way to playing time and he's done that but i think he also realizes that his time may be coming up in terms of being a legit everyday player at least for the blue jays but You know what? I don't think they're going to uh, turn down any legitimate offers. They're going to be listening on almost every single veteran. And if somebody wants to overpay for what Freddie Galvis has done, then uh, by all means, take him off our hands. Then you have Eric Sogard, one of those guys, like you said, I think, fellas, is going to be around. And honestly, right now, I might have to overpay for an extra season of Eric Sogard. But for what he's done to this clubhouse, I'm going to not even think about it. Give him the extra year if you can't trade him. <laughs> Same kind of idea in the mold of what you guys were saying with Freddie Galvis. He's very good in the clubhouse, and he's obviously doing a very good job mentoring these kids. You can see him in the dugout after he comes back from a plate after following 50 pitches off. He's given every little bit of insight to those guys that are following him in the lineup, and you know he's only giving you more when you're not got the cameras on where he's soaking in information like that. Guys you need on a team like that, especially somebody like Galvis and Sogard that are very versatile, but I do have to make room for Boba Shett now. <laughs> the guy is just <laughs> too hot. I just hope it's after next weekend when we're there, Brennan. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Please not right now this instant because that's a major reason why we're going because I want to see Bo before he gets called up. <laughs> oh, come on. Dwayne Ward's going to be there. I was just reading it. <laughs> Oh, did they finally announce more details for Blue Jays weekend? Blue Jays weekend is now going to include Dwayne Ward on Saturday, autograph session, all inning, every inning, Blue Jay ticket giveaways, and Vlad Jr. bobblehead day on Sunday. Right. Did they announce, I'm curious, if Canadian cash will be accepted at par? I know they've done that a few times. I believe they still do that, but it's been that long, so I haven't seen But yes, that is the whole entire fun Blue Jays weekend where they're going to be wearing the Buffalo Buffalo Bisons powder blue uniforms, which are just way too cool. (laughs) Ooh, I like those, yeah. Those are pretty sweet. (laughs) All right, fellas, i got to talk about one other gentleman that has done really, really well this past week, Nate Pearson, putting himself on the map in the Futures game. I don't know what you guys saw on Twitter from this. I didn't get a chance to watch it because I was not home. But, oh, my God, just when he was out there airing out 102 miles an hour pitches, guys, this is what we've been hearing about. But this is against guys that are obviously 
on par or on a level higher than him and the best of the best. Brendan, how excited are you to see more of Nate Pearson after the events the other night? Uh, extremely excited. I uh, I can't wait until he gets uh, up to Buffalo, which is probably at some point next year. I imagine they keep him right where he is for the remainder of the minor league season. But uh, that will be another draw to go down to Buffalo next year when Nate Pearson's up there before he gets to the big leagues. But you know what, Greg Amsinger, they had him on Tim and Sid yesterday, I believe, uh, or maybe it was Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday before the uh, All-Star game. And Greg Amsinger was just absolutely gushing about Nate Pearson, and, and how can't you? He's shown that he has the stuff to be a front-of-the-line, ace-type material starter, and that's something that we haven't had come through our system for quite a while. That guy you know you can pencil in right at the front of the rotation uh, for years to come. So just stay healthy. That's all, I, uh, that's all I care about at this point because he had that minor little shutdown when he went on the seven-day injured list, I believe. Uh, but that unfortunate comebacker last year, which broke his arm, really probably cost him being in the big leagues after this trade deadline. Jason? Yeah, I mean, I saw the highlights of his performance, and I was so impressed. I knew, I, I read the scouting reports, obviously, but when you actually see it, it's, um, it's incredible. It got me super excited. And with him, Nate Pearson, obviously, Eric Pardino, and Alec Manoa, who got drafted, I mean, and even Adam Klopfenstein, Blue Jays have quietly assembled some power arms that have front of the rotation potential, and it's extremely exciting. Even if one or two of those guys hit, that could be absolutely huge for a team that's set to lose, you know, Marcus Stroman, maybe Aaron Sanchez, and don't have someone who they can rely on. So maybe with a few veteran signings, this rotation could actually be pretty good in the future. Think about that, guys, all those power arms that Jason just listed off there. And then you still have a guy like Ryan Barucki to throw in the middle and really just mess with the hitter's timing exactly. on a day-to-day. Ryan Barucki <laughs> pitching in Buffalo tonight. And, Jason, thank you very much for just diving on that one right there. <laughs> so, um, but Ryan Barucki is actually pitching in, in Pawtucket tonight, guys. Rehab assignment. But he's been looking pretty good through his seven innings so far between the Gulf Coast League and the Florida State League. Obviously, it's boy against, you know, man against boys, but this is very exciting that the Blue Jays fans have probably likely forgotten about for this season, even with the fact that he has been struggling so much to get back to healthy. Um, Brennan, this is the kind of thing we were talking about that makes up for Mar- losing Marcus Stroman right there. Oh, 100%. And he's lined up right now uh, to be penciled in for Tuesday's start when they're going to need another starter. So if he goes out there, looks good tonight with uh, against Pawtucket, then I guarantee we'll see Ryan Barucki activated for the start on Tuesday. Maybe they are extra cautious with Barucki and give him one more start in the minor leagues. But if you have that spot open, you might as well let him work through uh, the last little bit of his rehab at the major league level. They did that with Jay Happ two years ago when he was injured in 2017, and he came back and he kind of rushed his rehab a little bit because he needed a starter, and Happ only went three or four innings. You might as well do that with Ryan Barucki, and it's a test right off the bat. I play the Red Sox at Fenway Park next week, so if you want this guy to go out there and continue to show what he did last year, throw him right in the fire against a a very good Boston Red Sox uh, offense. Jason? Yeah, absolutely. I agree that, you know, you should just let Baraki just build his innings up at the major leagues because at this point, Blue Jays need a starter as soon as possible. And 
you know, Trent Thornton has done a great job, obviously, at the back end of the rotation, but Ryan Barucki was supposed to be the guy that a lot of Blue Jays fans thought would be a quality innings eater, and obviously the injury was unfortunate, but when, once Barucki gets back, once he's healthy, he's he's a, at least a number three starter from what we saw last year, and it's extremely exciting because I think a rotation definitely needs a lefty, and he could be that guy for the Blue Jays for years to come. I selfishly want him to stay in Buffalo for a couple more starts because they are <laughs> surging and only five and a half games out of first place. How impressive is that, guys? We know that the Blue Jays have been doing nothing but mooch the farm all season, and the Buffalo Bisons are currently, like I said, five and a half games out of first place, 46-42 and 42 on the season. And most of this is due to a very, very resurgent team over the last month where they've just been dusting everybody. How are you even fielding a team in Buffalo right now, <laughs> Brendan? You know what? Honestly, uh, I had totally not even looked at the standings lately. I knew that the Bisons had been playing some very good baseball over the last few weeks, especially when Spo Bichette got healthy. At this point, especially if Galvis and Sogard aren't moved, maybe that's not such a horrible thing. Keep Bo Bichette down there in AAA. Let him be the catalyst and the anchor of Bison's team that finally gets back to the playoffs. I don't. When was the last time the Bison's even made the playoffs? I'm trying and that to find would that. Even strength, <laughs> yeah, find that because it's been a while for sure. It definitely hasn't been since the Blue Jays uh, have been the uh, major league team for the Buffalo Bison's, probably back to the Mets or maybe the Indians days. But... It, 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 that would only strengthen the relationship with uh, the Buffalo Bisons and the Toronto Blue Jays a little bit more if playoff baseball was brought back to Salem Field. And, I mean, yeah, they could do the whole service manipulation again with Bo Bichette next year. I I would love to see him in the big leagues for August onwards after the deadline, but if the Bisons continue to surge and they play good baseball, you can uh, make a whole lot of people within your entire organization happy, especially at the AAA level, by keeping him down there getting some bigger crowds out to Buffalo, getting some more revenue for them, and then he's up next year for good and delivers a nice little playoff run for the Bisons and their fans. It looks like 2006 was the last time they qualified wow. for the playoffs. And that That's was after back-to-back seasons, <laughs> fellas. So, and that was actually, like was Brendan that? said, that was with the Indians um, That's what organization. I thought, so they didn't, make it, they didn't make it with the Mets, or they didn't, and they haven't made it with the Blue Jays. That's crazy considering the talent that's gone through especially with the Mets. It's been quick stops man very much so and the reason why the in my hometown here in Rochester New York why the Rochester Red Wings decided to cut bait with the Baltimore Orioles so many of the good stars were not staying in AAA long enough that they were jumping pretty much from AA right to the majors you can't sustain a fan base with not enough talent on the team and there is no reason that these minor league teams shouldn't be fielding good teams but when you're skipping teams around like or players around like that, it's just how it is. Since the Blue Jays era has come into bu- Buffalo, they have been competitive repetitively. It's just they haven't been able to make that last little thrust to get into the playoffs and really run away with it. So, but it's getting very, very, very close. And yeah, it, we'll see what they do. But it's very, very intriguing as far as everything goes. And like you said, Brendan, Bobachet could be the catalyst of a possible good run in the playoffs for Jason this could be another possible playoff run for a very very talented minor league organization and in the same group of guys Jason absolutely I think I think 
that experience is invaluable, you know. Just the winning culture, just knowing how to win. It may seem unimportant, but winning together, having that chemistry, it's the little things that wins you a World Series. And eventually, I think we, we could see that paying off maybe in 2021, 2022, when we get to the playoffs, you know. When they're playing with confidence, when they're playing off of each other, I think it'll be really fun to see. So not only I'm would this be right. their first playoff it. appearance in a while, it would be the first time they've finished above third place since 2006. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's been uh, pretty grim, the state of Buffalo Bison's baseball, eh, since 2006. They I basically will say, are though, trying to do their best Buffalo Bills impression is kind of how I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the Bills finally got their playoff drought off their shoulders two seasons ago, so why can't the Buffalo Bisons do it this year? <laughs> Bingo. So the last time they actually won it all was in 2004, would be the catch of that whole thing. They won the championship against the Braves organization in 2004, and it was a perennial playoff appearance before that, So with obviously the Indians being as good as they were through the late 90s into the early part of the millennium there. So you knew there was some talent coming through there. They were pretty much in first or second place every year. But this is a resurgence of a minor league system in Buffalo, New York, that has been lacking for a long, extended amount of time. Very exciting to see. And it's not just Boba Shett, It's Anthony Alfreds and everybody else pitching in and only means good things for Toronto Blue Jays baseball, fellas. So I want to put a bow on this whole fun thing, guys. Jason Lee, what is your biggest prediction for what is going to occur in the next few weeks or and one thing that you are thinking we'll likely see in Toronto Blue Jays baseball before the end of the season? Bold prediction is Teoscar Hernandez is the Blue Jays' best hitter in the second half. And Ooh, I just like, like that. I just I just like the swing changes he's made. I made a tweet about it. He's lowered his hands. His uh, path to the to the ball is shorter, and obviously his power was always there. So I think if he if he heats up, I think he's a name to watch out for. And obviously, an obvious prediction is that we see Marcus Stroman and Ken Giles get traded. But I think the returns are going to be very strong because Atkins and Shapiro have had a history of trading big names, whether it's C.C. Sabathia or Bartolo Colon, et cetera, et cetera. They've nailed every big trade they've had to make, so I think the returns are going to be extremely strong, and I think Blue Jays fans are going to be very pleased with what they see in those trades. Yeah, I I sure hope so. These trades are so key for this organization, even as soon as next year. I'm going to go... Uh, a little off the board with two of these here. I'll give you one offensive guy, and then I'll give you uh, one pitcher. I think, I, and I'm going to agree with um, Josh Goldberg of Fan 590. TJ Zoik, when he gets here, he maybe gets five, maybe six starts, and he pitches to the tune of a four to 450 ERA. Gets a lot of ground balls like he's done throughout his minor league career. And honestly, to me, solidifies his spot in the 2020 rotation at the back end with Trent Thornton and Ryan Barucki and uh, whoever else has left Aaron Sanchez. Uh, and then offensively, uh, I'm fully buying into uh, the trend Danny Jansen has started uh, towards the end of the first half. And by the end of the season, Danny Jansen is close to top 10, if not in the top 10, uh, for uh, Fangraph's war uh, among all major league catchers. Awesome stuff, guys. I really, really would love to see all those come to fruition. Um, my bold prediction, 
was the fact that I'm going to go and agree with Caitlin McGrath of The Athletic that somehow Vladdy is going to figure out how to hit 30 home runs. I, <laughs> I am not shocked. <laughs> He's only got eight. Remember that. So that's him just turning around and just destroying 22. baseballs. It's 22 home runs for it the rest happen. of the season. It could happen. I very I read that happen. earlier, and I was thinking that, and I was just like, okay, I, I bought in now. She sold me. and um as far as what i think is going to happen for the rest of the season i think we're going to see vintage ryan barucki come back up after he does finally make his major league debut for this season and i think he's only going to look like the mark burely type that we are desperately and sorely needing in this rotation for toronto's blue jays baseball going forward into the future guys so jason lee you're our wonderful guest this is your moment to shine. I know you got to get out of here. <laughs> so what, what's going on in your world, man? And, um, yeah, give us your two cents. Yeah, I mean, I'm just enjoying the summer. Long year of university, first year. But um, go check out my pieces over at Jay's Journal. The last one was a bit controversial. It was titled, um, Toronto is not a baseball city. So give me your two cents. <laughs> any, um, any advice would be appreciated. And, um Thank you guys for having me on again. It was um, it was so fun. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on, buddy. And I actually read that piece. I quite liked it, actually. I enjoyed it, and I think you made some pretty uh, some pretty strong uh, points to back up your uh, your statement. Uh, so I don't disagree, uh, despite it being uh, controversial to some. Uh, but Craig, I'll uh, kind of tee this one up for the both of us in terms of something that we should plug together. Is I will say it again. I said at the beginning of the episode. We will both be in Buffalo for the Bison's weekend next weekend. So if you're heading to Salem Field for the Sunday game or the Saturday game, you're spending the night, you want to go grab some beers after the game, we're, we're open for all of that stuff. Come talk some Blue Jays baseball, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll have some uh, Labatt Blues or whatever on uh, Labatterdays and, uh, on Saturday night. So I'm not even going to go a step further. We're going to be striking town early afternoonish. Will we will be hitting up probably the Dick Road Duffs, <laughs> which is one of the best chicken wing places <laughs> in the world that you guys, if you make the trip over the border to Buffalo, that is one of the original places to get chicken wings other than the Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York. Highly recommended. Wouldn't I can't? We used to make pilgrimages from where I used to go to college, which is two hours away from Buffalo. Everybody, to go just get our craving of chicken wings, <laughs> and it was worth every damn minute of it. And some obviously good fun times in those road trips. We're staying downtown near the ballpark. We're going to be hitting up the actual 716 bar, Pearl Street Brewery, whatever. You will find us drinking, <laughs> goofing around with other Blue Jays fans, enjoying all the local fare, and enjoying. Hopefully, a fresh Vladdy bobblehead to put on my mantle with all my other Blue Jays fandom. So, Brendan, it's going to be amazingly fun, and I'm looking forward to it. Can't be more excited. Hopefully, we'll be able to hit up some of our friends in the Buffalo Bisons organization and get some fr- other pe- new friends to be- have on the show. Um, yeah, that- that'd, be, uh, that'd be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it as well, and uh, especially uh, just being able to finally soak in a Buffalo Bisons game, something I've wanted to do the last two summers. So, Really looking forward to it. It's going to be a good time. So that is Saturday the 20th for the evening game, everybody, and the afternoon game on the 21st. So 
feel free to find us. I'll be wearing one of my very old vintage Blue Jays uniforms, probably. <laughs> so, and um, <laughs> hit us up on uh, Twitter at BirdWatchingGC. And honestly, I think, Brendan, we're going to have to do something in the show. So maybe we'll be recording some uh, fan promos, some things that include on the show here. And, yeah, we'll get all our fans on the show. And it'll be fun to interact with everybody at the same time. Absolutely, man. I am game for that. More people come on the show, just like our uh, our great guest today, Jason Lee. Everybody's welcome. Awesome. Thanks again, Jason. And everybody, make sure you hit us up on those subscribe buttons on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasting pleasures for. Hit us up on Twitter at BirdWatchingGC. And yes, until then, everybody, let's go Blue Jays. Let's go Blue Jays. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.